0: Hello and welcome to that's How, how i Start. I'm sorry. Hello and welcome to World Shop, the episode where we talk about what we've been doing for the last week or so, and then we complain and/or talk about how great the show Love, Death, and Robots is. I think, I'm Jordan.
1: Okay. Hi, I'm Cody, and I just want to address the Love, Death, and Robots thing up tippity top, and then we'll talk about the other stuff. I think we literally,
0: we literally talked about how we weren't going to do that. Yeah,
1: it's just quick. <laughs> it's a quick comment because I, I think this is going to be a weird time where we are going to feel the exact same way about season three of Love, Death, and Robots, which is almost kind of lame, but I'm looking forward to it. So anyways, Jordan, what have you been watching recently?
0: Wait, say that again. I don't think I quite understood. Jordan, what,
1: <laughs> what have you been watching recently?
0: Okay. What have I been watching recently? Oh, wow. Wait, we're starting with me? What? That never happened. It does um, now. Okay, so I, own this I just episode. recently watched the new um, Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers movie. And I did it too. Freaking fantastic. Right? Wasn't that great, dude? Or do you have like comments where you're like, oh, I hate it every single so No, like, so
1: here's the thing with that type of movie it reminds me of Detective Pikachu. And um,
0: um, I think it for me, it was more reminiscent of a Who Framed Roger Rabbit, yeah. but like for a modern audience. Sure, and sure. I really like the way that they did that. And it's definitely not a kid's movie.
1: Oh, I totally disagree with you. I think that it is absolutely a kid's well,
0: movie. 90% of the jokes will fly over a kid's oh, head. Sure. And the fact that literally we have a character who's a washed-out version of his previous self look at the camera and say, death comes for us all, kid, I don't think that's quite appropriate for anybody under the age of 10.
1: So here's the thing that Disney movies have done for a long time with their children's movies is they make them so that they're accessible to
0: adults. Um... Yeah, but 99% of that was adult accessibility, and there was like maybe 10% kid plot.
1: I watched it with a child. He loved it. He got zero of the references that adults would understand. He loved every second of it, though, because there was a big cartoon that was grumpy. That's all he needs, you know? Um, To me, it's one of those movies where I'm like, I'm not going to sit here and try to pick it apart because my son enjoyed it, and it was fun to watch with him. That's, That's all it needs to be. I don't expect high art here. It's just a fun movie to watch with my kid. And I'm fine with it being just that.
0: I, I I yeah, I don't think we should pick it apart, but like the thing that I I thought was great is that it was funny without doing the thing that I complained about on earlier episodes about like how a lot of like funny movies or action movies or whatever are following like the Joss Whedon like has to be quippy and like poking at you the entire time thing. It was like yeah. a legitimately funny movie there were jokes and not quips I don't think it was quippy I think it was like legitimately funny
1: yeah I can understand what you mean by that I thought it was well done I mean I like both of the people that they had being um the gophers or whatever um chipmunks yeah um you know I I like uh I like Bill Hader's writer and Andrew Sandberg's they're both fun I know that that's not their huh
0: it was John Mullaney.
1: No, John Mullaney used to write all of Bill Hader's jokes. That was, like, when he was oh, on Saturday Night Live. Oh, you're
0: was, calling him. I thought you were saying the actor was Bill Hader. No, no I said Bill okay. Hader's you writer. Recall, like, yeah, you were calling... Okay. Yeah, I
1: was getting oh, the names wrong on purpose. It. But, no, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I mean,
0: I genuinely, like, most times he's in a movie or something, I genuinely like Andy Samberg.
1: I do, too. Yeah, no, I mean, it's kind of funny because he's one of those actors that, like, it's a difficult... Transition, I think, to make to not end up being like, I think it was. I am impressed that Andy Sandberg managed to do something beyond being an idiot. And I don't mean that in a really mean way. It's just he was on Saturday Night Live and he was an idiot on Saturday Night Live. Like, that was the bit that he played a lot
0: over and over and over again. Oh, and like, like, yeah, he constantly played he was stupid.
1: And like, Lonely Island was very, like, he was often there, like, making a stupid film. You know, so it's... I like yeah. the, like, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and I thought this did a good job of... He's still a comedic actor, but he's, like, able to have a little bit of range. And he plays an idiot in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but there's, like, moments where he is serious, and he actually gets to act, yeah. and he can do that. So it's, like, it's nice to see him kind of, you know, spread those wings a little bit and do more than just be, uh you know, um, you know a doofus.
0: Yeah, and I, I don't know. I just... I thought, like, like I said, a lot of the complaints I've had about recent media is that we're doing, like, the quippy, everybody has to be a funny white guy in every single movie. I thought the fact that they just made it, like, you know exactly what I mean. I do. Watch any Marvel thing, and it, all of the humor is exactly the same. Watch the new Cowboy Bebop. All of the humor is exactly well, okay, the same. Now, and look.
1: Let's take it. The new they, Cowboy Bebop do, was so they, bad. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but they do that thing where it's like, instead of like actually making jokes or having real conversations, they talk in quips. And that's what ruins the flow and ruins the idea of creating characters because you'd never get a moment where you're actually relating to it. You just get person talking in jokes like how no one else does like you can have like even comedians who sit down and hang out together aren't just constantly saying jokes back and forth they're talking like human beings and jokes come up naturally the way that cowboy bebop and especially a lot of marvel stuff it feels unnatural like they're specifically doing something for a joke
1: okay so i have i have two thoughts right so the first one is i imagine sitting down and listening to comedians talk to each other would be horrifying because they're probably incredibly cruel people um you know, like, you have to have a yes. filter when you're oh, performing yeah. as a comedian, but if you're talking to other comedians, I doubt that filter is higher. It's
0: probably much lower. Yeah, I listened to a podcast where it was just a bunch of comedians sitting around talking to each other, and it's heinous. Yeah, right. But it's still, you get more of the reality of these are sure. human beings talking hanging out than what you got in Cowboy Bebop in a lot of, like, Well, okay, now, covers. Cowboy
1: like, Bebop was a dumpster fire, but I rewatched some Marvel stuff recently, like, recently-ish. And um, one of the things I watched was Winter Soldier, which, like, I kind of like more every time I watch Winter Soldier. Um, Is it Winter Soldier? Yeah. Winter Soldier is the one where Black Panther is, like, first shows up in the MCU, right? What
0: I will say, the example that's more in my mind when I say these things is more Age of Ultron. Oh, no,
1: no, no, no. This is, like, let me finish my point. I think one of the things that made Black Panther really good in that movie was that he wasn't at all quippy which made him able to be a more serious character to have dialogue with (laughs) like um the end of the movie where he saves i don't remember the guy's not the guy's name but he's the Um, like his family yeah where he like saves zemo when he's talking to him it's like he never quips and i like have seen that in like online reviews being like oh he just doesn't quip," but it like fits really well because he's able to be taken more seriously giving real dialogue in that movie that is kind of more serious like it it isn't all that funny of a movie even
0: the black panther movie like imperatively has a low level of quips in it there are jokes i would say but there's like not as many of like
1: the right right a lot of
0: and like i said like when i think of like the quick like are the whedon properties like Age of Ultron is very quippy when it doesn't need to be, and like even um the when he took over just I just hate Joss Whedon I think that's what it comes down to I don't like Joss Whedon and I think it shows because like a lot of action and a lot of like movies especially Cowboy Bebop were influenced by his type of joke like his type of like um um dialogues and you like. Watch, watch Age of Ultra, and then watch Cowboy Bebop, and they are brothers. the The way that dialogue is written, you know, they are I, very, very similar.
1: I'm very curious about that because, like, and I don't know the history of the Cowboy Bebop live action show. Right? Was that made yeah. by a Japanese studio or an American studio, or like written You're by? You're asking I guess, the, the person
0: who I, I burned all of it in my mind palace. So give me a second. I think delete, it was uh, American. Um, yeah, you, you, I'll delete all this like dead space. But um, I'm pretty sure it is an American company and American um, writers. Yeah, yeah, it's American.
1: Okay, well, never mind then. Ignore everything I was about to say. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> thank you
0: um but but i I don't know but like the thing is and it's not just cowboy Bebop. that's like a big example but like there are other action movies and other things that i've watched that do that exact same thing where it's like we're no longer having people talk to each other we're having them just like make quips at the audience and that ruins it because you Uh, can't develop a character like that when they're just trying to be funny when there's no moment of like real character development like <laughs> even in serious scenes like I'll say and I excuse my language the moment that I think truly ruined like one of the last episodes of Cowboy Bebop is when Faye comes in to save the day and the line that she does as she starts shooting up the church to like kill the bad guys is and I quote excuse my language but welcome to the ouch motherfuckers and It's never done in a like character development way of like, oh, she does these weird clips or says things that don't quite make sense. And she, or even stops and goes, oh, yeah, that was a dumb thing. No, she just says it completely straight faced, completely like, this is my powerful line. And it's done as a quip towards the audience and doesn't do anything to actually add to the scene, the character, or anything in the show. And, that's well, what I'm talking about, is like that kind and, of thing. And yeah. I'll
1: say, I give a Marvel movies a little bit of credit on this, maybe because like pre-Age of, of Ultron on this one, but like, I think you can have a quippy character and still develop that character well. I
0: do I, too, just not when that's the only thing the character And
1: does. I think the thing that Cowboy Bebop got very wrong was that it, like Marvel movies on paper, very few people straight up die. Like, at least on camera, yeah. in your face. Generally, there's monsters and buildings are getting blown up, but it's not like you see people getting their heads shot off. In Cowboy Bebop, it's like, look, here's a person. He had a he had a personality and now he is dead. And everyone's like, ho, 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 And it's like, well, that's not a good time to quip. It's fun to quip when the Hulk is punching you and you're punching the Hulk and no one's really getting hurt. That's a good time for a quip, you know? Um, So I think maybe
0: like not joke about shooting someone point blank. Maybe maybe don't do that a bunch. (laughs) Well, and like
1: I don't necessarily think that's accurate. I think that it's it depends on what kind of movie you're making. Like um, I think it's totally fine to have a super violent movie that's funny. Like I've watched super violent movies that are funny and like them. But the problem with Cowboy Bebop is it's like a tragedy. It's not really funny. Like there are moments of humor in the show, but. The general tone of Cowboy Bebop is like pretty morose. It's not, it's not sunshine and rainbows. It's like a sad story about a washed up like gunslinger and like his crew of weirdos, mm. and so coming in and being like, oh, 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 goofy, 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 murder, murder, murder. It's like that doesn't fit for the property you're making. It's it's tragic. It's really sad and dramatic, you know. So like, and- there's movies where they're super violent and funny and it's fine but it, this was not the moment for that you know
0: so so one i will say like again I, I like recently said this in a conversation i had on a different show but like my problem with cowboy bebop has nothing to do with the actors the, the um the team who um made all the costumes the set designer, all the people who worked on it that's not my issue. My issue is with some, like a lot of the writing, and also Netflix's business model of how they do pilot seasons. And I just want to say that because, like, yeah, I dog on this a lot, and people's like, well, yeah, but people like put a lot of hard work in these things. So it's like, yes, and I'm never saying that. Oh yeah, the actors, the people, like the costume, the diet designs, all that. I'm never saying that. Like, oh yeah, f them. I'm saying that you got <laughs> handed a bad deal when you signed up with someone who didn't know how to write. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's... I'm trying to think of the right way to put this. I've I've like heard this argument before. Of like, but look at all these people that put in so. M- oh, sorry. Go ahead. We're no go. I was just for the podcast to the listeners to know, I have bad internet right now because I'm in a hotel, so we're dealing with a little bit of delay. So it's worse than usual. No, I was just gonna say, I think that you can make criticism even on a group effort project, understanding that you're not necessarily criticizing every member of that group. You know what I mean? Oh, it's yeah. like I. Tons of people worked on this, sure, and I will say I blame the director, the writer, and partially the actors a little bit. I'm not going to say that all the actors were like doing a fantastic job, but I agree that they're. You know, you can only work with the material you're given. Well,
0: but and I also think like, see, but the thing is, and why? I, and I'll bring this back to Chip and Dale in a second. But the thing is, why I like, um. Why? Why I stopped to say that, and um, and my brain just died of why I was even, my point. So give me a second to recollect my thought.
1: No, it's fine. It's what happens.
0: Yeah, the reason why I say that and why I take like the time to be like, oh yeah, well, I don't blame these people who I spent all their time, is because of Netflix's business model is to do a pilot season. Netflix does this thing where they pay all this money, Th- these actors, these set designers, they spend their life trying to make this a good viable thing thinking hey this is going to be the next big thing and they spend all their time they um have to hit these ridiculous deadlines just for netflix to just cancel the show and just pull all that hard work out from under them and throw it away never to see the light of day again and i think that side of it really sucks and to like take a second to have some empathy for the people working on it it really is upsetting like if i spent like a year of my work and then my boss looked at me and was like okay yeah doesn't matter this is going in the vault immediately <laughs> trash <just> like, what <laughs> yeah yeah it's like we're just throwing this we're just throwing this Like, i would be heartbroken and so like i, I just i just want to like first say it's like all of my displeasure at the cowboy bebop show yeah i have a lot of comments that i've been talking about this show for months but i don't blame the people who worked The other thing I have to say is, bringing it back to Chip and Dale, is there's a difference between quippy jokes and actual funny jokes. And I think Chip and Dale did a very good job. I think a lot of the bits that they had throughout were very fun. All the little, like, images and all the little, um, like, Easter eggs and, like, shout-outs to other properties were great. Like specifically having the bit of ugly Sonic throughout the (laughs) movie was so funny. And I felt so validated because one of the things I always say about like the old Sonic CGI is that his like tiny human teeth really creeped me out. And there was multiple times they zoomed in on his mouth and showed how creepy and off-putting that was. And I'm like, I feel validated because every time I say that, people's like, oh no, that's not the worst part about it. I was like, no, the tiny human teeth are the worst part of ugly Sonic.
1: See, my son loved that part because it zoomed in on a funny puppet mouth and he was like, <laughs> puppet mouth. And that that's all it takes <laughs> to entertain him. You know, he it's it is funny watching movies with kids. One because they get scared of things, which you wouldn't think of Chippendale as a scary movie. But what boy, was the scary
0: part in Chippendale?
1: Um, the part where they get like locked in the like cartoon shop uh-huh. shop. Um, And then also the end, I think he kind of got freaked out when there was like the homunculus thing of like bits glued together. The only part Uh, that
0: actually kind of creeped me out was when the um, detective was like, trying to fight the um like putty guy and like he was like like jump pretty much jump scaring across the screen. I was like, oh okay, okay, that's a bit much. <laughs> but, it, but it was very fun and very well done.
1: Yeah, no, I mean I, I saw Chippendale too and enjoyed it.
0: I think I I'm just happy that they took this like property I have such nostalgia for because I used to watch that and Tailspin all the time. See I didn't I made never watched it. It into a comedy movie. It was Oh really? You never watched it? <laughs>
1: Mm-mm. Nope, nope, never did. I didn't really watch Disney yeah. growing up. I watched Cartoon Network because I was an edgy boy. So I watched, like,
0: Swat I mean, cats. I did both. Yeah, I did Swat Cats as well, dude. You're not better yeah, than SWAT me. Swat
1: Cats was great. It <laughs> was better than you. I mean, I am because I watched a lot of Swat Cats, but...
0: <laughs> I also watched a lot of Swat Cats. But I watched more, Jordan, because any moment...
1: Me. You were on the Disney Channel. I was consuming SWAT cats.
0: You know SWAT cats wasn't just 24-7 played on was. Cartoon Network, It was. Just, right? It was just I watched SWAT absolutely. cats
1: and zoids. Animorphs and Zoids. Oh, you boy. You watched Animorphs? Oh, you, did you first watch Animorphs?
0: Of, first of all, Animorphs was Nickelodeon, not Cartoon Network. Second of all, Animorphs no, was Not night-
1: Animorphs. No, uh, Beast Wars. Sorry.
0: Beast, oh, okay, yeah, because Animal was a nightmare show of CGI and like turning well, humans into animals. Well, so was Beast animals. Wars, but it was, yeah. Be, oh yeah. Oh god. Um, my um anime show We Belong. We like went back and looked at some Beast Wars um CGI animation, and man, that is the most jarring shit you will ever see.
1: It's rough. It's rough. It is not good. It's- <laughs> I went back and watched it like you know four years ago, and I was like, ooh, ooh I oh, I remember yeah, this being I, amazing." I went back and watched scenes
0: from it, like a month ago, and it's like, like I remember it being jarring as a kid, but it's even worse than I remembered. Oh like, yeah, it's yeah, even it's worse. Bad. It's bad. <laughs> like to the to the point where it's like I'm kind of feeling like, like like sick watching this. This is horrible.
1: It's it's got it's weird. It's yeah yeah. I mean, it's like watching bad CG anime now.
0: Yeah. Speaking of, um, next week is the um, what I'm calling the Summer of Hate, because that's when I'm going to start watching the most recent season of Ghost in the Shell.
1: Oh, I'll have to do that with you. Yeah, we can do that
0: together. <laughs> the, the Summer of Hate. Maybe I'll do that tonight <laughs> when mean, I'm sitting
1: in my hotel room alone.
0: I mean, you could just, like, masturbate or something. That, that would be more productive of your time. <laughs>
1: We'd be more productive to masturbate, <laughs> <laughs> to watch
0: ghosts. You know, show, the absolutely. thing is,
1: I would probably be supporting higher quality artists at that point, which I say with zero irony. Oh,
0: geez. like that so show bad, is so
1: bad. bad; it's so bad. See, okay. So, so the thing is, I
0: I, I watched the trailer for We and like the trailer, it looks. Fine. And I think it will go like what I'm about to say will go into something we're going to say, oh, I'm going to say about um, Love, Death and Robots. But the trailer looks fine. But I think it's because it looks action packed. And we get lost in the spectacle of when things are flashy and exciting across the street and not always have the time to think what the hell is any of this? Like when I watched Rise of Skywalker, like it was very flashy, very action packed. And then I sat there and I analyzed it like a week afterwards. I'm like, Oh yeah, that movie did kind of suck.
1: <laughs> I was, I remember having that experience in high school. Cause I've always been like a curmudgeonly cynic. So whatever. Um, yeah. It meant I was cooler than everyone else in high school. And, and that I ruined everyone's fun times. I remember going and seeing the third yeah. Transformers movie. And um, we got out of the movie and one of my friends was like, wow, that was really good. I'm like...
0: You should have immediately slapped him across the face and been like, no! I just
1: remember being like, there was not a second of that movie made a lick of sense. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, there was a scene where Optimus Prime slid like he was on roller skates through a million robots, cutting them to bits, and then got immediately stabbed in the heart and killed somehow. And he's like, yeah, I guess that doesn't quite make sense, huh? And I'm like, nothing in that movie made a lick of sense. It was a dumpster fire. He's like, that's, no, you ruined it for me now. And I'm like, that's what I'm here to do. Ruin I your don't think good you time. time.
0: I think that movie was bad on its own. And you pointed out how it was bad. Well, because that's, that movie is Michael legitimately, Transformers movies are some of the worst things I've ever watched. I'm, no, I mean,
1: they're like. Sorry, I was going to say they are like both misogynistic and just straight up propaganda. So, yep, no, oh, yeah, not a fan. Yeah, they
0: are war propaganda and they are so misogynistic and racist. You forgot the racist freaking you know, ice cream truck in the second movie. They're I did. For,
1: oh, Jordan, no, the first movie where you have Jazz. The, yeah, I'm where he gets
0: s- he's like the hip hop rapping robot that gets yeah cut in half immediately. Immediately. And is Which is another thing I'm going to talk about in Love Death of the Robots, but but very briefly. He's there for
1: two seconds, and he says, I'm going to hang here in my crib, and then he gets cut in half.
0: Yeah, yeah. And 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 his name is Jazz! And he literally raps and starts breakdancing. If I remember correctly, I don't remember if I don't believe he raps, raps. but he does. He does breakdance. He He does does (laughs) breakdance. He does absolutely breakdance.
1: Yeah, and Um, then right after that is when he says, "I'm gonna chill here in my crib," and then three seconds later, he's murdered because, uh, of course.
0: But even in the second one, they have literal racist ice cream trucks. Like the ice cream truck yep. says a lot of racist shit throughout that movie. You know, and the <laughs> and, thing is. And then the third one's racist. And then the fourth. And, and then there's. And then I think one of them has where they literally like show the like Romeo and Juliet statutory rape laws and like zoom in on the card for that. And, like, like <sighs> the movies are real, real bad. It's you know, really so, okay, here's
1: the thing with that. I want to talk about that briefly, because this is where you can get in the weeds with one of these discussions, right? Because, like, technically, I think within the context of the movie, he is, like, 18 dating a 17-year-old, which is really not that weird.
0: But who has a card of the statutory rape laws? Who has a card of that, ready to show to someone's dad? Who has a card ready to show to a dude's dad? (laughs) Why...
1: (laughs) Why even have that in the movie? And the, the problem with it is, is that that's not the creepiest character in the movie. No! No, listen, listen. Here's the thing. The 18-year-old or, like, 19-year-old dating a 17-year-old, that's not the creepy part, which, I mean, there's some dubious stuff there. It's the dad that is like, I own my daughter's virginity, don't touch her lady bits without my permission. Mark Wahlberg is creepy in that movie. The boyfriend is just, like, I don't know, a little too old. Mark Wahlberg is... Thirty years too old, and her dad. You know. Yeah,
0: and but that's also a trope throughout media and society where it's like, oh yeah, no one's gonna touch my daughter. Yeah, Let and me. it's gross. Yeah, it's real. It's real nasty. Um, because the the implications of it of what I quietly said that I'm absolutely cutting from this episode, but like, yeah, because of the implications of that. Um, yeah,
1: it's it's just all gross. That entire movie is gross. Um. Anyways, do you want to – can we can we change the subject because I want to talk about my thing briefly and then we can talk yeah. about – Oh, yeah. I forgot we
0: didn't talk about your thing. Yeah, talk about Yeah,
1: No, it's fine. We got way in the weeds. We, we talked about – Way <laughs> in the weeds.
0: Cowboy Bebop. We Bebop's talked about Cowboy
1: Bebop for 15 minutes. At least we didn't start talking about Ghost in the Shell too much. Okay. So I watched yeah, an anime, it. Jordan. I watched an what animated watch? anime. It was called Vampire in the Garden or a Vampire Is that in good? The-
0: no. See, no, okay, so I shouldn't check it out, because I keep seeing it advertised to me, and I'm like, this doesn't look good, but I'm You like, know, interested. it's like,
1: it's one of those things that I don't think, like, ever, like, nails the landing, and it, it it's, so basically the plot is there's a war between vampires and humans that's been, like, going on forever, and they never, like, really dig into this enough that like humans are starving because they've like retreated into like little hives to try to protect themselves from vampires and vampires are starving because they keep killing all the humans and there aren't enough of them to go around so the vampires can't drink blood the humans can't grow crops and everyone's dying so the thing that they like never quite get is like okay so there's a general whose daughter is like (sighs) given a cushy desk job in the military and then there is this princess of the vampires who is supposed to take over all of the vampires right she's royalty and they end up meeting and like i'm gonna say falling in love although they never really say falling in love but basically falling in love they like meet and fall in love and try to run away and have like a peaceful life together and everywhere they go people are like you're a vampire and you're a human you can't live together and try to kill them Meanwhile, the, like, royalty of the vampires is chasing them and the military is chasing them because it's, like, the general's daughter and the queen's daughter are run off together. Uh, And then in the end, it's tragic, but then, like, it's, like, flash forward and we've made peace with the vampires and all live in harmony. And I'm, like, what? So it's just Romeo
0: and Juliet.
1: Kind of, sort of. Like, yeah, I mean, it's not not that. And it has a lot of parallels, But, like, the thing it never, like, quite lands on is, like, uh, anything to me other than a, like, kind of emotional catharsis with the main character finally standing up to her mom. Sort of? But she sort of stands up to her mom in the first episode when she abandons her post and leaves with this vampire. It's like, so she's already done that in episode one, and she never has, like, a big... Where she, like, suddenly takes action and does something. She's, like, been willing to take action from episode one. So I don't really know what she did. And then it's also like, oh, we can find a place where vampires and humans live together. I'm like, do you want to explain that to me? Like, what does it look like for vampires and humans to live together? Because vampires eat humans. And, like, I'm guessing they're doing some, like, oh, well, you know, we could just bleed them a little bit and then drink that. And But then I'm like, well, then why didn't you just do that from the start? I don't understand, and then then it's like, there's like lines where it's like, oh, the humans shot first, but they never explain how the war actually started, so there's just like a lot of stuff, it's a long, it's like a lot of episodes that never like really, it doesn't feel like they ever explain it well enough, but they bring up the questions, you know, because like, sometimes with emotionally driven shows like that, you don't have to answer all your own questions, but it gets into the problem that I had with A Quiet Place, where a quiet place brings up a lot of questions and a lot of answers and then those answers and questions don't make any sense <laughs> and i'm like what? no wait a second that doesn't i wish you hadn't brought this up because you didn't think about it very well sort of the same way with this where it's like they bring up a lot of logistics and i'm like you shouldn't yeah. have just you shouldn't have done that just say a vampire and a human fall in love stop trying to it's, explain this really hard
0: it's it's it, so- it, so- it sounds it sounds awful
1: so it was, I don't annoying. know. It wasn't, like, terrible. It was really repetitive. Like, every episode, it was like, you can't be with me, I'm a monster. And then they, like, laugh and dance and never quite make out with each other. But I'm like, can you just, like, define anything? Okay, whatever. Like, I don't know. I don't really know what, like, anime's relationship with, like, a lesbian relationship is, if that's something they, like, necessarily have to be coy about, if there's, like, censorship issues or... If it's just, like, culturally, there's a difference there. But it just felt weird that they, like, never, like, expressed how they felt about each other to each other. (laughs) Unto the point of death. Which is, like, a weird move, you know? So, I don't know. It was just kind of, like, a lackluster show.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the thing. A lot is, recently, is, like, the oversaturation of media. We get these things presented to us. They're never, like that good because like there's so much anime out there we're hitting the point where we realize oh yeah there's actually only like i would say like a 20 like rate of good anime and like the rest is just like fine and then there's some that are really bad but like like we, we hit the oversaturation and like every time i see something advertised to be on netflix i gotta ask like is this something i want to spend like an hour on um so cody i think it's now time after like 25 minutes to start talking about yeah right
1: we need robots. to start talking about the hbo show that i was watching about julia child
0: so anyways love death and robots <laughs> yes
1: yes the thing we're actually here to talk about love so, death so and robots. i kind
0: of want to do what we did we did this on an ep- like episode long ago actually yeah probably about a year ago um is we what we did is we god my brain is dying sorry what we did is we like first like gave general thoughts about the season and then we went episode by episode and talked about our thoughts about each episode so you want to do that sure so i guess yeah what are what are your general thoughts about it like how do you feel about this as opposed to the other two seasons
1: so the first season i absolutely loved right i was like blown away by
0: one of the best things on netflix
1: (laughs) yeah yeah i mean it was it was just fantastic and it was one of those things where I just wasn't expecting it to be as good as it was. I started with a really strong episode. You know, I started with um, Sonny's Edge, which I think is a really, really, really good... You want to know what I started uh, with? Uh, you've told me before. It was... uh Oh, it was it's, Three Robots. Yeah, it's
0: the, one of the worst ones, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and I, I mean, I agree with you. I, I am not a fan of Three Robots at all. Anyways, um, I thought that this was nice because it... Well, so then season two, I was, like, not a fan of. I did not think season two was very good. So what was nice about this one to me is that it felt kind of like a return to form. Like, the quality, both of, like, what they actually presented and also of, like, the thoughtfulness behind it. That it felt like there were themes that were playing out and, like, deeper meaning in the animation than there was in the second season like the second yeah. season i just thought was like so on the nose and kind of like boring that i just was not it, it didn't really do very much for me but this one it really felt like oh man this is like some really good animation that i'm like looking forward to talking to my friends about so that was kind of nice that it felt like there was enough there that there was actually stuff worth talking about again because i, I think that that's it's one of those things that, you know, when we talk about animation as a, like, art form or as a medium, I think a lot of times it's kind of disparaged or cast aside as being either childish or, you know, like, puff, nothing stuff. You know, it's seemed like it lacks substance. So, to me, like, if you've been a fan of anime, I think that you, like, kind of know that isn't true because anime, I think, has always taken itself a little bit more seriously. Yeah. And then I think that... The generation of people that kind of were really into anime started growing up and making animation in America and started taking it a lot more seriously. And there's been good animation in America for a long time. I just don't think that it was widely accepted as like something worth talking about. And now it's nice to see that there's a much broader group of people that use animation to do one more than just photorealistic CG and then two, to tell very compelling and interesting stories. So I really enjoyed it for that. I, I like what Love, Death, and Robots kind of represents in our own culture. That there is, like, you can be taken seriously and do animation.
0: Yeah. And so a couple of things. So I'll, I'll kind of get my overall thoughts. Like, I've talked about this on the show before. I've talked to you about this a lot. But, like, Love, Death, and Robots, like... Season 1 absolutely blew me away. And it came out at, like, a huge transition point. If you guys remember, I moved across the country last year. So um, I actually ended up watching Love, Death, and Robots on the plane. And then ended up binging the entire, like, both first and second seasons, like, on my trip to, like, find my apartment of where I was going to be living for till now, obviously. Um, But, yeah, it it came at this huge moment. And it just blew me away because, like, it was... Doing and saying a lot more than like a lot of um previous like American animation does like and there like Cody said there's a lot of American animation that does have like a deeper meaning there's like even like the kid shows like Adventures Time almost at Adventure Zone Adventure Time and um Avatar Last Airbender have been doing like have been like paving the way for a lot of animation but they they did more with it than I had previously seen and it like. The theming throughout, like, season one of, like, you know, just, like, love, sexuality, like, identity, race, all the, like, things that they had. And even, like, the comedy stuff that they had in there, too, was, like, above the above the line. But then the second season, I watched that, and I looked through the episodes. The second season, there was only, like, two episodes in that entire season that I thought were... On that level, of season one, like none of them were saying what the first season was doing. They were just like, oh, here are some cool stories that you might like. And none of them really did anything different. And that's like, so like season two was like, yeah, little, like, I, I agree with that. Yeah, n- none of them really did anything other than just show us cool animation. I think in season one it was a lot of cool animation, but it was a lot deeper than that. Like I did almost like put it down completely when I watched, first watched. Um, three robots but then my second episode was a kilo rift and then my last episode was zima blue which like both of those episodes fantastic are just stunning and lucky 13 and like like showing
1: zima blue might be like that's i should really rewatch that one i kind of forget how good zima blue is <laughs> you know
0: it, but 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 they show diversity like like diversity both in like racial and ethnicity but also for lgbtq plus and like um just general sexuality and all of that and they show like lifestyle diversity with like episodes like the dump and like the suits episodes where there's a bunch of farmers with mech and they, they show just so much going on in this first season and then the second season is just like oh yeah here's some cool animation you guys like cool animation right
1: well yeah and i think the second season kind of like lost some of and i think you you kind of touched on this and i'm going to say it more explicitly like beyond just being well done animation it was very human stories that yes. could be sad and sometimes cynical but largely were not like they were tragic in a way that that's affirming to humanity not hateful towards it you know Um, And that's a tricky line to tread, especially in, like, the sci-fi genre. It's really easy to hate ourselves in that genre. It's typical that it's pretty cynical about the nature of humanity. And one thing that I liked is that a lot of the stories were uplifting about humanity even at the same time as they were sad. You know, we could highlight, you know, um, differences between people but still try to find common ground. You could see, like, The tragedy of human hubris, but still also see like compassion and empathy between people. And I felt that the second season, where like the animation wasn't necessarily bad, it was just Mm -hmm. all very like cynical and like it was like watching Family Guy. Like, I'm looking through the list right now, it's like animated customer service or automated customer service, Mm -hmm. just like wouldn't it be funny? Ha ha ha, robots are bad, like, yeah,
0: and I mean, really. on surface, like, I did think that okay. episode was funny. I enjoyed, like, I laughed at the episode, but, like, thinking about, like, even the funny ones of season one, it really didn't, like, hit the same things. <laughs> and, like, like, so when I say, like, good episodes, I think Ice was okay, but, again, like, kind of just did what we've always seen. It was like, oh, someone who's not accepted, like, sh- like shows them that he can be accepted and do the same things that they do. It's like, okay, we've yeah. seen that a million times. Um, Pop Squad, and well, I that's thought how was I felt a... hmm? Which one? Pop Squad this is the third one, but you can say what you
1: Oh, I say. hated that one. That's how I felt about Pop Squad. It was like, Pop Squad started and three seconds into it, I'm like, well, this is the end of Pop Squad. Got it. Like, yeah, okay. I, <laughs>
0: like, I, I... I thought it like it kind of did what I felt about the um, um, Bad Traveling, the Big Crab episode of this season, where it's like, it showed me a cool story, and it showed it to me in a cool way. It wasn't necessarily groundbreaking, but it showed me a cool story with cool characters and cool things really quickly.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it looked good. I just wasn't, like, I didn't, I didn't feel compelled to talk about anything I saw in it in a way that I did with season one.
0: Yeah, snow in the desert didn't mean anything. Tall grass was like spooky, but also didn't mean anything. The Christmas, like the ho- yep. the um sa- creepy Santa Claus one, didn't mean anything. Life, Hutch with um Michael B. Jordan didn't mean anything.
1: Also, was basically the same thing as automated customer service. Oh, absolutely,
0: hey. yeah. But but darker, okay. more serious. And then the Drowned Giant meant something, but I just didn't care.
1: Yeah, you know here this is this is, I wanna I wanna come back to Drowned Giant. I can. All right, so here's a problem, I think, within maybe some artistic fields, is that I believe... mm, Okay, I don't know that this is a fact. This is me stating an opinion that I have about art in general. I think that there is a way of, like, um, what's it called? Critiquing art or consuming art that is very fascinated with, like, the high art quality of something. Like, examining the metaphors and the deeper meanings and all of the meat that can go into all these layered meanings that you can have in something like The Drowned Giant. But to me, when I'm watching something like that, if it doesn't then emotionally impact me at all, all of that metaphor to me falls completely flat. It becomes like this academic exercise and being like, oh, but what does it mean? Like it doesn't matter because I felt nothing. You conveyed no emotions to me. And that's really subjective. And and I think it's fair to say, because there's one episode in season three where I feel very similar to the way I feel about the drowned giant, where Which I'm like episode is that? I totally understand. we'll get to it. Um I don't want to spoil. Is it big um, crab? Huh?
0: Is it big crab?
1: No. No. Oh. That one I felt like was very clear. <laughs> um, okay. Big crab. We'll, oh, are you we'll talking talk about, about Jabaro? Yeah, I'm talking about okay. Jabaro. Anyway, um, big crab. Where like <laughs> I totally got it. And in the case of Jabaro, especially, which I don't want to get into too much. It's like, I even agree with the moral of the story with like the story that they're trying to tell and the emotion and impact they're trying to get across with is something that I would be like, yes, this is an important message to talk about. I just didn't feel like it did a good job of doing that. And that's totally subjective. And especially with Jabaro, I think it's really fair for me to say totally subjective. It's just for me, for a variety of reasons I'll get into when we actually talk about it, it didn't land. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. And I, I felt the same way about The Drowned Giant. I was just like, watch that, and I was just like, I, I feel nothing. Yeah. I don't feel anything. <laughs> so, and so. I don't think it's because I'm lazy and stupid. It's just because I feel nothing.
0: Oh, you want me to use the Rick and Morty argument? Oh, you're just not smart enough to get this. <laughs> um, so so I will say, like, as kind of a, what the questions I said at the beginning is like, how do I feel about uh, volume three? Because I haven't actually even talked about volume three, but I will say volume three was much better than two, but I don't think still was as good as one. And I think that might just be because, like, my mindset during both, but also some of the things that happened throughout two, which I will talk about. I'm not going to dive too deep on them because they will take me a long time to get my feelings out. But and I think that. Volume three, I, I think it, I think it was good. There were there were episodes that I liked, and as we go through the um, the total thing, like we said, as we go through episode by episode, there were episodes that I liked, and there was only I think two that I just absolutely did not care for, and I think you know exactly which two of those are because one I do, I do, I do. Through, I'm- the other one we both agreed that we didn't care for, it, and we will probably only talk about it for literally a minute. So Cody, yep. do you want to go into the um, like? episode by episode
1: you're darn right so Jordan I want to talk to you about episode one the one oh shoot it's about to start playing on my laptop yeah, yeah, yeah. god no not this all right Believe Jordan I want to talk it. to you about everyone's favorite the hit of the season the one we all love three robots it Colon sucked. exit strategies it's it stupid it I was hate really it. Bad. it was
0: dumb even I'm like the, so even the thing at the end with the cat like was predictable and dumb and didn't do anything for me didn't even make me idiotic laugh. it just made me sit there and go Okay, glad I had to sit through another three robots bit. It was literally just the same one with, like, the they tried to be, like, poignant with their jokes, but they weren't.
1: <laughs> well, the thing is, they don't try to be poignant with their jokes. They're just being snide. Like, ooh, we could have all worked together, but we didn't. Like, cool. congratulations on your ability to oversimplify years of hostility and, like, Difficulty understanding each other. Yes, the human condition is it's hard to understand each other and ourselves. Sorry you find that laughable in hindsight. It's one of those things, and this is, okay, so there's a comedian that everyone loves and I hate, which is George Carlin. I know he's dead, whatever. Again, this is all subjective stuff. The reason I didn't like George Carlin is because what it felt like is if you were a George Carlin fan, his jokes weren't about you. They were about those people over there. Like, look at how dumb other humans are. But I'm one of the smart people that gets George Carlin jokes. That's how this thing feels to me. It's like, well, I'm one of the smart people that gets why this is funny. But we're going to laugh at all the other people that are, like, infighting and petty squabbling. And I'm like, get over yourselves. It's just – it's so, like – Oh, look at how much smarter I am but than everyone else. We have the resources; do we need to do? It's not Elon Musk, <laughs> <You> see, <laughs> like but, but yeah, I don't like him either. Good job.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's what I was about to say. Is I, I think that a lot of times when we have comedy bits like this, and we have people like pointing out, like, oh, the harsh realities, oh, we don't get along, oh, there's people like the rich people are basically consuming the poor, et cetera, et cetera. Those jokes are said to us, not the people who need to hear it. The people who already are saying these things and agree. They're said to us. They're not said to the tech billionaires. They're not said to the people like Donald Trump. They're said to us who already like, yeah, we agree. We've already been saying these same things for years. And that's why well, I, I do think it's What it does, too,
1: <laughs> is this makes no effort to reach anyone else. No. All it does is make us feel better about ourselves. It's yes. just self-righteous. And that is... I think that's really important to like drive home the relevance of that. Because... I think people get really fascinated with being right, especially in discussions around, like, politics and, like, social and economic relations. People want to be right. Like, look, this is wrong. Can't you tell that this is wrong? Which does a really fantastic job of making us feel better about ourselves and convincing nobody else of anything. Like, this is a show that if someone watched who maybe didn't totally agree, like you said, with things that we would probably agree on and see eye to eye on – dangers of climate change, necessity to work together to overcome them, and, you know, not worshipping Elon Musk as a potential solution to that. Um, Like, yeah, we would see eye-to-eye on that. If I showed this to someone else, it would do nothing to convince them. All it does is make me feel better about me. Congratulations, you've made something totally irrelevant. So this is one where I'll say, like, there's subjectivity and objectivity when it comes to art. I think this is objectively trash. It's (laughs) self-righteous art designed to make people feel better about themselves instead of art that could maybe make us understand people that we disagree with or make people that disagree with us understand us better. Does none of that?
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely agree with you. Um, And I I thought we were going to talk about that less. But yeah, I think to me that's one of the worst ones on it. But I, I have comments about another of the worst ones, and we're going to fight about that. Anyways, second episode. Yeah, we're, we are going to. We're, we're not there yet, Jordan. We're not yeah, there yeah, yet, yeah. All right? Second we're, episode. we're still in the agreeing part of this episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> second episode, bad traveling, or how I like to call it, Big Crab. Um, Big Crab. Yeah. I don't want to get too into my feelings about this one because we will be here for a, quite a long time. Okay. But. I think it's the same thing as Pop Squad to me, where it was like, okay, this is an interesting story. It's um, cinematography shown as very interesting. The animation is interesting. I thought the horror elements of Big grab were very interesting. It was very creepy. The crab was very nasty and hard to look at. But the thing that stood out to me more than anything was the treatment of the minorities throughout the episode. The fact that... Um, two black men were executed mercilessly at the same time when everybody else in the crew committed the same crime as they did. So anybody in that crew could have been shot, but the two black men were immediately killed in the head rather than, as opposed to anybody else.
1: Well, and so this is like, I kind of want to tell like the humorous story about us talking about this episode because you messaged me and said, like, oh, hey, I have thoughts about this season of Love, Death, and Robots. You should watch it. So then I did. This was early on, so I kind of, like, forgot about it by the time I got to the end, because I was way in the reads with Jabaro, so, like, that's the one that I was, like, trying to get my head around how I felt about it because of, like, kind of conflicting complicated feelings around it. Um, But... Bad Traveling, I, like, when you told me, like, oh, the episode I want to talk to you about is Bad Traveling, you were like, I think that I got something else out of it than you did. And I'm like, no, I think we got the exact same thing out of this. Because, like, on the one hand, as a story, I loved it. I thought it was a fantastic story. It was a really, really, really well done story with good characters. The problem is that, like, it's animation and they could frame this however they wanted, right? They're they didn't cast actors. These are animated people. And I mean, in the case of, like, the two characters that you're talking about, they had, like, maybe two lines. Like, it's not like they got a big-name voice actor for this and then made the characters match the appearance of their voice actors because they do that for some, like, the other ones later on, right? That's Yeah, that was, like, not the case with this. (laughs) Like, they could have cast these people to be anybody. And so, like, as I was watching it, like, I didn't... I don't want to say I didn't notice right away what you did. I just kind of like halfway through it was sitting there going like... Because it was when the rest of the crew was left, left, right? Mm-hmm. So like the order of murder goes... So like the crab takes over... Brief summary. The crab takes over the ship and starts blackmailing them. To take him, to take you, the craft, the big monster using craft crab b- to an
0: island. Using a dead black man, by the way. Um That what I didn't catch. That was actually not, a really he good is point He is not that you the made. first that black man is not the first one to die, but within minutes he is. But the other, one guy is tossed off the ship, the other one's kinda like stabbed through, but he's cut in half and dragged down, and his body is used. As a tool, and that was another thing that I pointed out. Oh, oh, you were you were using this black man as a tool, as a prop to get your point across, and it could have been the other two men.
1: Well, right, and so this is this is what gets me about it. Is like looking at this like as the. So what I what I said to you was I thought it was they used very clumsy, on the nose, stereotype or coding to do quick characterization. So these are really short animations. You have to get characters across really quickly, right? So in so after the ship is first attacked and the crew is left and they're having to decide what to do with the crab, they have to start sacrificing crew members to keep the crab fed until they get it away from anything, right? And the first person that gets, like, fed to the crab... Well, so... and Okay, this is also relevant, but this is, like, some kind of fantasy world, but he's, like, generally, like slavic or russian you know Mm -hmm. right he's the first one that gets fed to the crab and then there are two people of like i guess like whatever the fantasy in this world equivalent is of like african descent are fed to the crab and then there's like then the crew tries to do like A uh, a mutiny and that's where i'm like looking at the crew and it's like so there was like i think a kind of asian woman there was a woman with like face tattoos that I thought was also implied to be black or maybe, like, I don't know. It's, you know, it's all in, in like, low in, light. In, in, you can't really the tell.
0: race, yeah, that's fine.
1: Right, right. And then there was, like, a cockney guy, and then there was, like, a sad boy who I think said nothing the entire time. And I'm like, but the guy who was undisputedly good was, like, an Aristotelian British man. And I'm like, are we still doing that? Are we still of the opinion that at this time Aristotelian British men were the good guys of this stories like yeah. all of the horrible stuff that we talk about at that time being done in history like the like displacement of indigenous americans the enslaving of african people all of that was done at the behest of aristotelian Britishmen <laughs> who wanted new land to farm and new places to have peasants which is what they did. And I'm like, so how is this guy the hero of this story with his, like, crew of misfits that he, like, has to murder because he's the strongest man? I'm like, really? (laughs) Like, that's the subtext we're going with, is that it's, like, a crew of... And I'm saying this in air quotes. This is what the show implies, not what I am saying is true. It's, like, crew of savages and this one good man who's, like, managing to keep them all on, like, you know... Having to like outsmart them and outfox them to keep the boat moving while he's killing them all slowly and fending off mutiny, and I'm like, wow, just zero, zero criticism of that. In the end, he is right and the best person. He's like a good man in every way. Yeah, and I'm just like, oh, and, and, nice. And that's the thing cool. is like,
0: I I get it. You see it a lot through times because it is something that has been done. million times over we're just now getting a lot of diversity and stuff but a lot of times even if the show is very diverse a lot of times the hero is the white character and that's kind of what set me off even more so was that we had this white rich authority figure mercilessly and without having second thought murder two black men at the same time by shooting them in the head yeah and well, in and the today's like climate, the, the history seeing of- two black men killed by an authority figure mercilessly without thing. And they didn't even get the chance to stand up for themselves. They didn't get the chance to fight back like the other characters did. They were just killed off without second thought. And that is something that happens all the time in today's climate. And we didn't even take a second to think about how people would see this. Is see, oh, the black men are the cowards. They're the ones who, like, were wanting to throw this crap. Like, it makes it feel so gross to me. And while I like the story, it just felt so gross seeing that happen. And the
1: thing is, it's like, it would be so easy to slightly nudge this story in a completely different direction, right? Like, have the captain get killed off first, leaving a power vacuum. And maybe, like, his first mate steps up who, hey, might not be a white British guy. Could be a lot of different people. Like, if you're at the point that you're on the ocean and you just need a skilled sailor to be your first mate, it might be someone who isn't just, like, the aristocrat that bought the boat and is charged with being the captain by God. So, you know, it could be anybody. Any of this, like, cast of diverse crew could have been that person that had to step up and take charge Meanwhile, they're being constantly undercut by, like, you know, cowardly crew members that just are interested in the money of it or in their own self-interest, whatever. And but and they would have that, like, existing racial or social bias to go, like, oh, well, you can't be in charge. You know, the captain's dead. That doesn't mean you should take over, even if, like, technically by, like, the ranking they should, right? Like, that's a... that And it just kills me because it's, like, Within this like genre of thing, like it's not a dissimilar setting from like Pirates of the Caribbean or Moby Dick, right? Both of those got this better. Like Pirates of the Caribbean somehow nailed this better. (laughs) You know, that's saying something. It was not trying to be like necessarily inclusive and diverse. Somehow did a better job. I mean, except
0: for Pirates of the Caribbean, the only black woman in it was a um, Jamaican witch. I'm not
1: disagreeing with <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean is, like, a shining example of, like, well-done diversity in a because movie. Because your
0: face, when I said that, was the funniest thing. It's like, ah, crap. <laughs> it's like, ah,
1: crap. No, I'm not disagreeing with you. What I'm saying is, it's better. Somehow. <laughs> like,
0: somehow yeah, yeah. The, the only black Somehow, Pirates
1: eight. of the Caribbean nailed it better. They at least managed to have the plot that it's, like, the reason Jack Sparrow is a pirate. Well, it's, like, the the villainy is the aristocracy, yeah. at least. And Jack Sparrow stopped being a, like, respected ship captain because he refused to do the slave trade. Like, okay, it's at least willing to criticize the fact yeah. that the people that started the slave trade were the aristocracy. That's who did it. Yeah.
0: Oh okay, got it.
1: But somehow we forgot that.
0: <laughs> I didn't want to get too far into the weeds of this one, and we did. So, Cody, next one. The very pulse of the machine. Okay.
1: I loved this one. Um, So Uh, I'm going to do the hipster
0: thing, really. And you've already called me out for doing this in our DMs. But um, so there is an artist that I followed on Instagram because I bought a print of his of the Gundam behind me as I'm pointing to. No one else can see this, but. The Gundam behind me. He did that art, but I follow him oh, okay. on Instagram, and I just love his art. But he's one of the people who um, like came up with like the concept designs and stuff for this episode. And you can like if you follow his art, you can really tell that he was one of the people who came up with the designs and concept art for this episode. And if, if I thought art wise, it was really great. I thought it was a little bit boring, but I thought it was really great. And I thought the direction, and I thought like. The way that the character interacted with, like, the visions and the um, planet I.O. was really
1: cool. Oh, no. I, I didn't find it boring at all. But, crap, like, I'm going to drag a corpse through the, like, you know, whatever for a million miles. It's like, I'm just on the edge of my seat. Like, tell me more about it.
0: You know, I really, okay, um, I, I really did like that, especially when she starts hearing the voice of the corpse and is like, uh, no, leave you alone. Yeah, I thought that was really cool.
1: Well... And I'll say this is one of those ones where, you know, you could go like, well, maybe she was hearing nothing the whole time and it was just the drugs, or maybe Io actually I think Io was, was downloading her brain,
0: huh? I, th- I think Io was actually alive, but whatever. Well,
1: yeah, right. That's like the nice way to read it. Um, I don't disagree with you, by the way. But I think it's one of those ones that I'm trying to think of the right way to put this. I don't necessarily think it's like. This is where I talk about not necessarily being steeped in a thousand layers of metaphor, but I just was emotionally so invested in her like deciding to, you know, move on to something else as a part of her death and that like slow journey to an end and um kind of I guess I don't know, it's weird. It's like this acceptance of something greater than yourself. It, it was just it's very like sublime and calm but also scary in a way and it just it it is a um it it felt like a poignant view of death which i think is difficult to nail is one that isn't necessarily cynical but also is not overly like trite um and i thought it did a really good job of that yeah i just was very emotionally captivated the whole time i I I thought it. it was good and a lot of that had to do with the beautiful art. Yeah, the, for the sure. art
0: is absolutely top-notch. That's one of the more beautiful episodes this season. Um, Night of the Mini Dead. I Okay, I, so really I, actually, I loved every I I like this one a lot, but I thought Indiant with the fart joke really made me mad.
1: Oh, I was totally fine with it. I like hate this fart is jokes, one that, that's me. Oh, do you? I did not know that. Oh, I
0: absolutely hate fart jokes so much. <laughs> This is one to
1: me that wasn't necessarily super, like, deep or profound, but I also don't think it wanted to be. No, no. Like, I don't it think was it just be silly and horror. having fun. It was just kind of, like, cute and goofy, and I, I enjoy that. Like, I like really be horror sometimes, you know, just, like, how did the apocalypse happen? Like, graveyard sex until a cross fell down and got <laughs> struck by <laughs> lightning <laughs> and caught on fire.
0: I, I I don't know. I and really like when like, it gets up on the girls like, "Hey babe, look at me!" and then it falls over, and immediately everything <laughs> goes to crap instantly. And that made me laugh so hard that I even rewinded it and watched it again.
1: <laughs> like the squeaky little voices <laughs> as they're like talking and doing. Yeah, it was so fun. Like I I loved all of that for
0: sure. It I don't know. I thought it was real good. I'm glad it was only seven minutes and not like a full twenty minute thing because if it was actually. No, none of these are the time that it says there because everything, every time it has like a credit of three minutes. It was like a four-minute bit.
1: Yeah, no, I mean it, it. It definitely did not overstay its welcome, yeah. and I mean that in a really good way. Yeah. You know, it like, did a it,
0: really good job. At it just got getting in and the got the out. Moment. You know, <laughs> I hate fart jokes. Hated that ending. It was just okay, dumb. But I thought the rest of it was fantastic. I thought it was really
1: funny. Oh, uh, I. I I disagree with you. Okay, Cody, here we All go. Right, Jordan, kill team kill. You ready for you ready re- um, ready to can, end can the I actually,
0: here? Can, can, can I get my opinion out first, really quick? Because I know you're going to. We haven't even. S- I said kill team kill. We haven't
1: even said what episode we're talking kill team about. Kill. Oh, okay, I didn't. I said kill team, Kill. I said really quick. Kill team kill.
0: So Cody, I just want to get my opinion out first, just because I know you're going to disagree with every single word I'm saying. I. Absolutely hated this one. I thought it was bad from start to finish. It starts with a dude pissing on the camera and it ends with everybody dying, which is fine. I was really happy with everybody died. But what I hated about it is that everything that happened in this episode was just dumb internet humor. It was just stupid. Where it's like, oh, honey badger. Oh, honey badger. Okay. It's like jokes that weren't funny until like 10 years ago. Honey Badger wasn't... Actually, even more than that. The Honey Badger, don't give a shit, was like 2008. Why are we bringing that up as to be an appointed funny thing? That was so dumb. And the way that all of them died, it was so stupid. And even the thing with the guys dying, he's like, Oh, tell my wife she's a bitch or whatever. He says, that's been done before. No, no. Oh, no. He said, tell my wife I fucked her sister. And I quote. He says, tell my mom I... After sister, and then he dies, and that's something that's already been done before. It was just so dumb, so internet humorous, just so like it wasn't good. It was just the most like the action movie bullcrap I've ever watched, and I felt like I wasted my time watching it.
1: Okay, so Definitely. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna carefully explain to you exactly how you're wrong, right?
0: <laughs> okay, okay, white man telling the black man he's wrong. Come at me. How does this? How does that relate to this one? Because you literally are a white man telling a black man he's wrong. Go on.
1: What does that have to do with my literary critique of possibly the dumbest
0: thing I've ever watched? <laughs> it's yeah, it's dumb and bad, not dumb and good.
1: Okay, here's the thing. I don't think it. I I I I think it knows that it's a little silly, right? I like, understand. I think that. this. This, uh, what's it called? This episode was very aware that it was a little goofy, but okay. So here's the thing. One, I will say has pretty quality characterization. It, it manages to explain the characters really quickly with just dialogue interactions, right? Like you get who all of these people are just by the way that they behave to each other. Right? Even though they're basically all the same characters. You know? That's why I was gonna like, say they it's are literally like...
0: all the same as dumb, quippy, like burly white men. What I'm tired of yeah. seeing. Yeah,
1: I mean they're all just <laughs> they're all just big, gruff military guys, you know? But they all have their own character, and you get that character from just small little interactions. I thought some of the humor was actually pretty well placed where it's like, where do we have to go? He's like. 50 meters up, you know, and it just, like, pans up the mountain, you know, because I have to climb straight up the mountain. I thought that was funny. When when they called it a honey badger, I laughed. It made me I laugh. I rolled my eyes so badger. hard.
0: I literally almost fell out of my chair because I got so dizzy from rolling my eyes so hard.
1: I just, I enjoyed it. It was like, was it stupid? Yes. And I was just like, it's fun. It's silly. I don't know. I enjoy it. I enjoy fun little silly goofy things and this to me was just a fun silly goofy episode about a honey badger <laughs> that
0: kills all of them it was it was it was dumb and over the top you never explained it was you never dumb once explained why it was wrong
1: oh well, i mean it was dumb
0: and over the top i just don't
1: necessarily think that means bad i thought that they did a lot of things really well i thought that the art was pretty decent you know like the way the characters looked and the way the animation flowed, I thought, was pretty decent. I thought, although the dialogue was stupid, it did a good job of, actually, you learned a lot about the characters really quickly through very small okay, amounts yes, of dialogue.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay, now you're just um, me. I, I get it. I get it. I get it. What I will say is, don't insult me by having the first thing I see is piss splash against the camera in some dude's dick. Don't insult me like
1: that. I mean, I think, you know, it's like, it's being, it's being stupid. You yeah. know, like, I think it's okay for it to be a
0: little stupid. Anyways, The Swarm.
1: The Swarm, um, I really enjoyed this one. I thought it was really creepy and, like, interesting. It was a cool world to, like, delve into, you know? I, I uh, no, it was just like, it was a creepy world, but also a fascinating one where you see, like, a, I guess, civilization without intelligence, which is kind of a fun idea as just, like, a interesting little world building idea you know anyways jordan tell me what you thought about the big hive mind in space what i
0: thought about this i thought it was fine i thought uh well i mean i liked it like animation wise but man and like the thing at the end with like her like kind of assimilated into the hive mind was legitimately creepy it really gross to look at and it was like oh and it did exactly what it was trying to do and i appreciate that
1: yeah i guess i almost don't have a ton to say on this one just because i just thought it was well done you know it's like yeah good job i was creeped out i thought it was a fascinating world
0: i do got one thing is that it did be absolutely did the anime thing of like you don't understand how powerful and strong humans are we will come back we'll show you that we're not just bad yeah it did the very you don't understand the power of people and it's just like okay it's like yeah, yeah it's like look look around That's you true. everything's going to crap the power of people's bad let's just like completely annihilate mankind thank you <laughs>
1: <laughs> you just don't get us. How cynical of you, George yeah. <laughs> But
0: but yeah, they, they did the absolute anime thing. But I did really, I, I enjoyed this one. But I don't have much to say because it's like I think it it, it was middling. I think it was very middling.
1: Yeah. I, I well, I don't even know if I would say it was middling. I, I did I did really enjoy this one. I just don't have a ton to say on it just because I like it did what it was trying. It really reminded me of the a- Aquila Rift. Rift yeah. Aquila Rift. I always say that wrong. Aquila. Um. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it reminded me a lot of that just kind of in like tone and almost in message yeah. at the end where he's kind of like, sort of like accepting what's happening and then going to like try to make it better, but not really, you know, uh, it's, absolutely it's kind of got fail. that. Well, maybe, I mean, we don't know that. Cause humans are just that strong.
0: Um, Mason's rats
1: okay uh I really enjoyed this one I thought it was really fun it was so brutal
0: it was so absolutely brutal to the point where I'm like man if he doesn't have a change of heart through this I'm gonna be real upset because it was like like the (laughs) robot just like machine guns the dead body of a rat was just so upsetting I was like oh my god yeah just a robot for like a solid like 10 seconds just machine guns the crap out of a dead rat and i was like oh my god <laughs> but I, I thought it was i thought it was great
1: well again it's like it's one of those things where it's extremely violent but then also kind of at the end is like about you know like humans finding a way to or people beings finding a way to get along and like learning to respect each other and i kind of liked that that you know it's like a cute little story about like going like ooh, you know we both don't like this <laughs> we're happier as rats and a farmer than we are as <laughs> rats having to fight a giant murder machine and the farmer owning a murder machine you know
0: like it's the reaching the understanding of each other even though they they came from two like very different places and like yeah, he's a farmer trying to like protect his like barn, and these are rats who are kind of taking over, but also living with like their comrades and friends and family, and all of that. And he's like, okay, well, they're rats who are destroying my livelihood, so I'm going to um, you know, exterminate them. And then it gets to brutal proportions where like i said it's a robot machine gunning the crap out of a rat for like a solid 10 seconds and it's so up- it's a long it's time it's so yeah. gory it's so upsetting but i was like who is this for <laughs> like, but, I, but, I, but i did really i did really like it but man yeah and I, and, I, and I thought it was cute at the end when like they they do like these scottish rats and the scottish man reach in understanding i thought that was really cute and they had the drink right, together, and I, he's like, oh, I this agree. is delicious. Yeah, it was very good. Okay, ready to move on? Yeah, we have not much to say about most I'm, of these. I think they were just, like, they were good. They were better than... S- we.
1: Well, I think we've talked a lot about the ones that we were most impacted yeah. by.
0: Um, in the Vaulted Halls Entombed, which is a great name. Oh
1: boy. I loved release this one. Release
0: me. Release me. Yes. Release
1: me. It's one of those ones that really wasn't good until the end like i kind of didn't care when it was just like getting killed by increasingly bigger and bigger spiders like okay um but that end of finding like this horrifying cthulhu monster that's just like just about to get out it's like ooh, they did a really good job of making that thing horrifying and like chained up in a basement you're like how i don't want to know
0: <laughs> And it, it was like really upsetting to me and i said upsetting so many times this but it was upsetting to me because i had to turn the volume way down when you first see the monster he starts doing the release me and just like the freaking like feedback <laughs> screech through your ears that was yeah. so loud compared to the rest of the episode but i i really liked it i thought like cuz it starts out i'm like okay this is going to be like other sketches we've had well sketch um episodes we've had throughout this show where it's like oh these guys like go and fight some otherworldly thing and they like they it starts out with a couple military people they walk into this cave and then all hell breaks loose with like these spiders with human faces and then they run out and they just see things get worse and it's down to two people, and they come across, like, this ancient evil being that is literally just saying, release me, and it was so creepy, and so upsetting, and it's so just, like, jarring, and, like, also, like, speaking of, like, diversity, I kind of mentioned this to you the other day, where it's, like, the, the, the there has always been diversity throughout, but, like, one thing that we see in this that we don't Really see in other shows is like the female soldier in this episode wasn't just like, oh yeah, she's has to like prove herself or like be carried around by the other team, or she's like one of the first people to die, and it's tragic and sad. Like she holds her own throughout the entire episode and is the final person standing. And I thought, like, we don't usually see that portrayal of a female soldier, they are usually and like you know this isn't always but like the majority are like leaning on the male soldiers or falling in love with the male soldiers but she was her own individual like person who fought against this thing and like almost got out of there (laughs) almost well i guess she technically did yeah she did get out of there doesn't have eyes anymore
1: (laughs) which they don't exactly explain why that is and i was very fine with that like i don't know but it's horrifying it's just like ooh.
0: i think she tried she tried to cut her bond with the thing by like digging out her eyes because like upon looking at it it like like grabs onto her soul and then she like dug out like i'm guessing oh, she is cut, that what you yeah, think she it cut was cut out her eyes to stop that but then of course it was still already in her head as you see she's walking away like chanting in like the ancient evil language which was really creepy yeah that yeah was, I love, like, good horror like that. I thought, like, this... Like, oh, yeah, it's was like, we're just on this mission to save a hostage, and literally they stumble upon Cthulhu. I thought that was really fun. Yep.
1: Well, and it works for that kind of horror because, like, frequently with those, like, Lovecraftian horrors, they're kind of about, like, finding a place prior to man that makes, men's, that makes man seem in, insignificant. You know, like, the entire, like... I mean... You know, like the the creature that is, you know, what a, Homo sapiens or whatever, right? Makes us seem insignificant, right? I like that they find steps that are too big for them. You know that they're having to like clamber down, and this structure that makes no sense, and you don't know what it was for. It's just like this leftover thing where they caged up this monster and then left, and it's like, what yeah, made wh- this? How did any of us uh, get
0: here? <laughs> and and yeah, it's just loved here it. in the Middle I East somehow, because one. it's there. I don't know why. It's not, not explained. I don't yep. need it to be explained. It's there and it's bad.
1: Don't look in caves. Only bad things o- only are down there. Only <laughs> bad things
0: are down there. Don't ever go into a cave, ever. But um, yep. yeah, here we are, Cody. We're at, we're at the moment you've been waiting for. because I kind of don't have many things yes. to say about this one. But um, Jabaro, I think they, they got to what they wanted to do with it to me to me you can talk about how you want but what they want to do but it was one that like did make me feel very uncomfortable because like and that's i think that's the point of it it's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable because it is basically symbolizing and simulating a sexual assault and that was like one thing was like this is very hard for me to
1: watch i don't know if it's a hundred percent i don't think you're wrong but i also don't think that's all it is right so this is where I was like, I watched it, I had my own thought about what it was about, and then I like watched some analysis stuff on it, and it all agreed with me, and I was like, okay, so there really isn't more here, and I just don't fully get it. So, like again, we kind of talk about coding, right? Where you can infer things about a character based on their appearance with our social context around yeah. it. right? We have a cultural context for what it means to look this way and what it means to look this way. So... The, like, knights that are riding through this forest, you know, it starts with them riding through. You kind of get the implication that one of them is death. And they are very reminiscent of, like, conquistadors, like, in appearance. Um, And you see, like, a scene where they're, like, swearing loyalty to some religious figures. Again, not unlike um, conquistadors and, like, not unlike the, um, you know, like the way that colonialism was made excuses for, right? Or, like, the reasons we were here. It's like, oh, well, they're not here to colonize. their missionaries or they're, you know, spreading whatever. Whatever, you know, reason was there to mask their greed, right? So then, you know, they stop by the river. That, like, woman that's covered in all the gold pops up, sees them and does, like, her creepy song and dance thing to pull them all into the river, kills all of them except... The guy. Who- what's it? The thing who
0: called yeah, Jabaro Jabbar, who cannot who's hear, deaf. Her, so he doesn't hear the song that drives men mad and brings them into the um, water,
1: right? So, very much like a siren, and then again, we kind of get into like a coding thing where it's not super clear here, but it's like I think the implication is that it's like invaders, indigenous yes. person, right? Um, so then this is where I start getting tricky with the metaphor, right? Because you're right, the end is very much like a kind of metaphorical representation of some kind of sexual assault or rape, right? And I think that that is meant to be not only within the story of those two characters, Jabaro and this siren, but also about like the nature of colonialism and what happened during this time. It is like the devastation and rape of the entire countries and land (laughs) and continent, right? That was... Th- that's the story that yeah. they're telling right is the like kind of brutal depiction of that so here's where it loses me a little bit in terms of the narrative it like starts with her murdering all of those people kind of for no reason well, they're
0: conquering and the then land,
1: really. like well yeah but you don't see I that I think
0: it's a very easily implied
1: i i like i agree with you only kind of because it really isn't with anything other than they have swords
0: in their dress, and the so are dress, and they're clearly not. That's clearly not their land they're walking through because they are. Com- well, anyways, you can go. go, go I, okay, anymore. I let me let me.
1: No, th- this is this is relevant because what I am picking apart here is the way the art is presented, not its intent. I agree with you in intent. What I disagree with is the way the narrative is structured. You don't see that happen at all, right? So it starts with her murdering all mm-hmm. of them, right? Like she tempts them all into the lake. They all rush in and kill themselves, right? And like this fit of, well, and again, this is where, you know, you get into a metaphor of like she's covered in gold. It's like this appealing figure that they're all chasing, mm-hmm. right? It drives them mad. This, des- this greed, this desire for her metaphorical representation of like these rich undiscovered lands right drives them crazy they all run in and kill themselves i understand the metaphor and again i'm not picking apart the implication of the metaphor i'm picking apart the way the metaphor is presented so then like jabaro is kind of like chasing her or being chased by her they're like watching each other confusedly because she can't tempt him and he is, and you know, she's like this magical thing that he's also fascinated by, but can't be brought under her spell.
0: And but but one thing to point out, he is fascinated by her because she is covered in gold, and that's like the first thing she noticed when he like reaches out to grab her. He has gold left embedded in his hands, and he's like, "Oh crap!" And you see, like on his face, it was like, "Oh, this is where I can get more gold." He does earlier in the episode, you meant forgot the button, but he does pick gold out of the river and like like and he like greedily puts it away, and then all of his friends rush off to get killed as he's like looking and inspecting this gold he found.
1: I agree with that, right? So to me, the way it then like kind of proceeds is she's like fascinated mm-hmm. by him because he can't be tempted by the song, right? Because he can't hear her. And there's kind of like this back and forth where she's like kind of stalking him and seems interested and curious. Um, and then this is now where I'm curious what your take on this is right so eventually he manages to chase her down and he like leaves his sword on the bank and they like meet in the river and kiss right and this is where and she starts like he starts yeah, like bleeding from had, his mouth has right
0: gold stuff all all up in there
1: so my read on this is that it's like it's like a relationship that's doomed to fail it's impossible for this to go well like, the nature of these two things interacting is that they are going to be damaging to each other. Yeah. No matter what, there is not a way for these two to healthily interact. And then, you know, like, right. That's where it's, he attacks her and like rips all the gold off of her and throws her dead body in the river. Right. And that's like a very brutal, that's like depiction of insane. a rape, <laughs> um, both in terms of like the resources of the land and also like yes. her as a person, right. The, she- narrative she, well, and then the large tears
0: metaphor. the gold off of her body and she's like bleeding the entire time and like the where they're in the water yeah as right as see, he's ripping as these she's, pieces off he's from. taking the gold from her you see the water start like being clouded with her blood
1: right and that to me again is like nails the metaphor yes. it's going for oh, really gosh, well so about too. like this is what colonialism did I think my problem with it is is that I like just wished a few scenes were like flipped or the structure was flipped a little bit. I think it would have been good to see her initially curious about the about him and about the people, not immediately go on the offensive like yeah. at the beginning. Um, and then like have there be some inciting incident, even if it's one of them taking gold from her, like ripping a piece of gold off of her just one. And that's when she, like, freaks out and does the scream and pulls them all into the lake. Or, you know, see them do something not necessarily super evil, but just, like, enough to give her motivation to respond to them being there, right? Because it to me, the thing that was odd is it's, like, within the narrative, she's initially, like, is tempting them to their death. And then, but then is curious about Jabaro, and there's, like, an interaction there that is non-hostile, right? She seems curious about him and fascinated by him because she can't kill him. And then at the end, he kills her. And it's like, well, within like the story here, if you're like erasing the metaphor from your mind, which you should not Absolutely do, and I'm not suggesting that. <laughs> that you should, it's like, yeah, it's like she's a monster that killed all of his friends, and then he hunted her down and killed her. Like, not exactly an atypical... And I guess that is, like, not in... That's frequently the way these, like, myths are told, right? Is, like, a lot of times you're slaying the monster. And maybe that's, like, the point is that it's kind of like a reversal of that, like, slay the monster thing where the monster is far more, like, relatable than the hero that slays her. And maybe that's what they were going for. It's just, like, there were, like, these little things that, to me, just, like, bothered me with the way they presented it where I'm, like, I really, like, I empathetically agree with this <laughs> metaphor, with the, the point that you're trying to get across There were just, like, these little things that I felt, like, were out of place and not quite right to make it, like, land overall. Um, And then the other part of it was the editing drove me nuts. Um, I really liked how jarring and disjointed it was while she was screaming. Um, I did not like that the whole thing was like that. It, like, never let up. It was just, like, constantly, like, felt like I'm getting slapped (laughs) in the head over and over and over again. By the editing and that fits really well when she's doing that scream and that scene where they're all like twirling into the water was creepy and beautiful. And then it was just like that the whole time and I'm like just have moments where it isn't that so that way those big moments where you are getting all this disjointed like jarring editing hit a lot harder but instead it just felt the same all the way through which made it, to me, so, less impactful, which was another kind of, like...
0: So, one, one thing this has nothing K. to do with how the story is told and nothing to do, like, it's, I just want to point out a fact because I know some, some people, well, that's not actually what happened, but she actually does kill, like, he doesn't kill her, she kills him in the end, is, like, she gets back up, realizes what he's done to her, and then as like, a okay... well because oh, he gets, somehow gets his hearing back? He's so... Oh, drinks, he drinks from the river, the river gets his hearing um, bad, and now she's able to affect of blood. Of him and she brings him to his death for um, doing those things for him, to
1: her my read on that's a little bit different i think i that, don't know uh,
0: what to say about that honestly
1: well so i can tell you what my yes. opinion on this was her death right was a death she wasn't like in pain she died right thrown in the river he then drinks from the river to me this being like an ownership of The reality of what he has done like he's again trying to like take from the Mm -hmm. land and drinks in that reality of like the blood the death that he the the murder he has committed for no reason other than greed um and that brings his hearing back making him able to be killed by the siren that then kind of has like a rebirth right she comes back as like this um Haunted version of herself because she doesn't really look the no, same yeah, he took because like she from... isn't torn up anymore she isn't bleeding she's just wearing like, yeah, it's fabric, like, it's like a black fabric instead of like the yeah. instead of like the gold mail and then like that song works now and I think it's showing like the it's um, kind of like the coming back around and like having the result of your violence come back on you you know so it isn't exactly the same thing. Like this thing that is now attacking him. Isn't the, it's the same person within the narrative, but like within the metaphor, it's like this force that's attacking you is now something very different. It's something like wounded and angry. This is no longer like defense. It's vengeance. You know, (laughs) like it's, uh, it's like a darker version of this thing that was attacking him before. So, um, that was kind of to me what the end was. Um, but yeah, and it's like and I'm not sitting here being like, oh, he shouldn't have died at the end or something like that. It's like, no, like, yeah, got what he deserved Absolutely. within the narrative and within the metaphor. But yeah, I don't know. It's one of those ones where it's like it was so close to like abs and maybe what it is is that there was so much about it that I liked that the things that I didn't stood out. Does that make yeah. sense? You know when you really like something and then there's like these few things you don't, you're like, dang it, could ah, it's so close. <laughs> And again, the other thing I want to say, all of this is very subjective. Like, this was my experience watching it. Someone else is going to have a different one, but my experience watching it was not me. Right. And my experience watching it was not being like, I don't get it. Like, no. I very much understand (laughs) what they were going for. I don't think that it's a wrong critique to make. I just think that subjectively, there were a few things that could have been done differently to me that would have nailed the overall metaphor better.
0: I, I, again, I think they did Personally, I think they did do a good job, but the part that got me is like, it was, it is uncomfortable to watch these things happening, especially knowing exactly what they're supposed to mean. And just like, yeah, yeah just like, this is not a thing that I want, I, I wanted to see. But it's like I'm not saying don't make these things, because absolutely make these things. But I'm just like, ah, uh, I don't like it. You did exactly what you did, cause I don't like it. Because if I was sitting there, like, yeah, that's effed up, and I deserve to be hit. But like, I was like there, I was like, yeah, no, this this had the effect that I think they were trying to have on me, and it's just like,
1: oh, oh yeah, I absolutely, like yeah, I like yeah, it. I don't think it oopsie doodled into its into it being very uncomfortable to watch. And that's where I think the editing worked, is like those moments where the editing is really uncomfortable and the framing is really uncomfortable it like feels gross to watch in a in like the best way because like that's what it's meant to make you feel yeah um but like i said there were just these like couple things that stood out to me in a way that was like ah dang it like i'm annoyed (laughs) but and i again i think it's because like a lot of it i did think was really well done and you know I think that's why it, it impacted me the way that it did. Why there are these things that I'm picky about.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I get it. I, I, I don't know, like I said. I think this season was a little bit better than well, better, not even a little bit, just better than the last season. And I do oh, have absolutely. one last like big thing to say about it is release me, release me, release me. It was just I can't do this voice as sinister as they did it in that episode. But that episode was great. I I think there was much more high points in this season than there were in Season 2. I feel like Season 2 has a lot of low points and uh, interesting yeah, to get lost I agree. into the spectacle and just enjoy, but I don't think it did a good job of being what it was in the first season. And I think this was more um, closer to more of what it was supposed to be in the first season. I'm saying that about Season 2, not oh. Season 3.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah, I think that going, like, to me objectively, I think season two was just worse in a lot of ways. I think that the difference between one and three, it's just going to be what pieces of art hit you differently. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I happened to find Yogurt not at all funny, I and I so. found I Kill Team Kill and Night of the Dead very funny, so that yeah, landed we, better We for do me.
0: have a difference between Yogurt and Kill Team Kill, because I thought Yogurt was very funny, especially since Ohio oh, was the so first one stupid. to go. I thought, because I was <laughs> flying away from Ohio as I was watching that episode, and I Legitimately laughed. I legitimately laughed on the play because I was like, oh, this is exactly why I'm leaving is because Ohio's going to get taken over by yogurt. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I just, I, I really liked it. It was fun, except for uh, freaking bad traveling. I mean, again, bad traveling is good, but screw bad traveling. Anyways, Cody, this has been a way too long episode about our opinions on a show so um we'll hopefully be back next week with stories again but this is this has been our um, bonus episode
1: i think i think we will be back with stories next week i have a lot of work travels coming up so we'll see
0: we're gonna be we're gonna be hitting some weird times guys but it's fine so cody what are some plugs
1: check me out at the wandering gamer network and sometimes i stream at wandering underscore gamers oh and the wandering gamer network is a podcast so wherever you listen to podcasts
0: yeah yeah um so, I will say absolutely watch and listen to um, Wandering Gamer stuff. What are you doing for Painfully Irrelevant?
1: Uh, the next thing we're doing is Sim Safari.
0: Ah, okay, Sim Safari. So yeah, check them out. I do when I when what day is that stream on? Because you never say what day, and I always forget. I Usually
1: Tuesday, Tuesday, but that is influx.
0: Ah, yes, influx Tuesdays. Uh yeah, check out um and you do it at what time? Like eight Eastern. Um Cody, night. Cody, Cody, we Cody do it does at night. Cody does um that at time. Cool. Um, so you can check me out at I Guess Year Zero. Twitch.tv, where I do a show on Wednesdays at 5.30 Mountain Time, um, 7.30, 6.30, and 4.30 Eastern, Central, and Pacific Time, respectively. And we um, sit down and we talk about anime and just, like... A lot of times it ends up being about diversity in anime because it's um, a trans man and a black man doing a podcast together. So, of course, you're going to hit diversity on a constant basis. Um, But, but yeah, and we're actually going – so I do not have the time or, like – To solidly do We Belong as a podcast, and I think I like it better as a stream because I can show visuals and point to exactly what we're talking about. So I like leaving it better as a stream, but we have um the idea to record a few episodes so that people who listen to side characters, people who listen to um World Shop could actually get a view of really what we do on We Belong. So we're gonna be releasing some of those in the like next few months, but as we get closer to doing those recordings i do want to reach out to fans if there's anything that you want to hear about anime or like you have questions about anime want to know how to get into anime like ask us these questions and we'll definitely address them and talk about them on the show so you can email us at worldshop podcast at gmail.com and i just have we belong in the title and i will like no one ever emails us, so anybody emailing me will immediately be addressed. So, yeah, if you ever want to talk about anime and just like want to know, that will be part of the show. So, um, and then the other thing I do is my other podcast, Side Characters, where we do diversity and nerd culture. Um, it's on hiatus now, but you can catch, I think, the first 35 episodes on Podbean, Stitcher, and Spotify. And then lastly, you can check me out on occasional Sundays at twitch.tv forward slash flum. P-H-L-O-O-E-M, where I do a um, talk, well, reading show with my friend, well, with Trin. Everybody knows Trin by now. Um, <laughs> we all know Trin. Where I do a show with Trin in which we read the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst fan fictions ever. We just finished a Twilight and a Sonic the Hedgehog fanfic, and now we're going to be doing some other weird stuff as well. Sorry my plugs always take me like 10 minutes to do, but yes, Cody... You got you got anything you got anything else? I'm good. I'm done. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. You, I'm you set. Have sit, you have to sit through ten minutes of play. Okay, so Kenny, as always, we will catch them on the flip side and I will catch you I don't know, screw that. I didn't have anything lined up to say. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>